0: Father in the quietness of this moment we come to you and we acknowledge lord that the world has been loud and large with us this week as the poet says the world has been too much with us but i thank you that even more you have been with us And for just a few moments, Lord, we would like to consciously be with you so that we might set a pattern for the rest of this week of conscious awareness that you are with us and that we are with you. Father, speak to our souls this morning. Like the terrain around us, a dry and thirsty land, our souls thirst this morning for you. So come to us and fill us with all that you are so that we may change and be agents of change in this world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It is really, really good to see you. We, uh, we love going on mission trips and we love getting home. And um, it was just an amazing, amazing trip. We um, had the chance, I had the chance to preach to pastors. I love doing that. Maybe as much as anything I do, I love ministering to other pastors in a couple of different churches. Larry Heslop led an amazing education conference. I'm not sure I've ever had the chance to sit and hear his heart on those matters that are so important to him, and he did well. Pastor Eddie interpreted and preached and facilitated everything we did, not to mention drove us around in Rio, and as a a sort of native of that city, that came in very, very helpful uh, along the way. Our son Chase had the chance to preach a number of times, to meet new friends, to be mentored by... Uh, Larry and Eddie, which was one of my goals for the trip, and it was all, I think, um, great. It, it's, that city is, that's the first time I've been to Rio. It's, it's a breathtaking place, uh, really beautiful, and um, I understand we're all going to go next summer, and, um, and the choir will be there, and we hope to take a great group because my promise to you is you will sing to packed houses everywhere you go. There won't be any sort of three people in the back of the cathedral while you sing, It will be full of people, and uh, if you're a singer, I hope you will join us on that trip because it will be worth your while. One of the highlights was seeing Cristo Redentor. You've seen pictures of the Christ statue sort of standing there on Corcovado overlooking the city with his heart exposed. Um, The heart is literally sort of outside his chest, and he is looking over that city and watching over those people, and it, it gives you a sense when you're there. That you are in the presence of God. Uh, Eddie pointed out to me that the heart is visible, but it's still a heart of stone. That, That better than a statue, we have God with us, Emmanuel, who is always watching over us. And I wonder, do you remember the first time you ever thought of God? The first time you ever prayed? The first time you were ever aware that he was there? Jacob's first recorded encounter with God happened in a place unknown to him where his grandfather had once worshipped. Running from home, looking for a new home, he found that God was his home. O oh Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. I want to read through verse 22 with you. And think with you about what it means to be with God. Genesis 28, verse 10. Let's stand together as we read God's word. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and the east, the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. He called that place Beth-El, though the city used to be called Luz. When Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, will give me food to eat, clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Thank you. You may be seated. As far as we know... Jacob had never given much thought to God. I say that because if you look at his behavior, you get the sense that he practiced what some call functional atheism. If you had asked him, do you believe in the Lord? He could have recounted his family heritage of Abraham leaving Ur of the Chaldees. And he could have talked about Isaac, his father, praying for him and his brother before they were even born. He could have told the family stories of faith. But the way he lived his life revealed um, a conscious unawareness of God. He acted as though there was no God. You've seen the bumper sticker, if you're living like there is no God, you, you, you better be right. Well, Jacob lived like there was no God until that day when his sins caught up with him. At this point, he had stolen from his brother twice. He had lied to his father's face. His dying father, he had lied to his face He had never once, as far as we know, prayed. The only time he had used the Lord's name, we might say it was in vain, because he used the Lord's name to to lie to his father. And then, when his sins caught up with him and his brother threatened his life, he finds himself running for his life and along the way, runs, wouldn't you know it, runs right into God. It would have mattered, I think, where he slept. He happened to sleep at a place 40 miles um, away from where he had been, 12 miles north of Jerusalem, in a place where his grandfather had built an altar once coming into the land, Genesis 12, verse 8. But he wasn't aware of that, and he admits that when he wakes up. He says, this is God's place, and I didn't even know it. And he does what he knows to do. He builds a makeshift altar, and he makes promises to God. It's a sort of if-then conditional, God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. But the real story is not about Jacob's promises to God. The real story of his life and ours is about God's promises to us. What God says to him is, I will be with you. I'm going to watch over you and it doesn't matter where you go, I'll be there. I will be with you and so Jacob puts up this pillar that had been his pillow for the night. He had had a, a rough night. He sort of felt sorry for himself. He's got, a, he's got a rock for a pillow, but now that pillow becomes a pillar of praise where he gives thanks to God and makes promises to God. I was reading in National Geographic uh, in, a, in a hospital waiting room this week. Um, the most recent edition, I think, has a picture of, of an excavation in northern um, Turkey where the people, 12,000 years ago, set up rocks, pillars, as it were, of stone to worship something. You, you can go to England and see Stonehenge and see. There is within the heart of humankind this idea that, that we ought to worship something and that, that something needs a place. But if you look closely at the words that God speaks to Jacob, what you realize is God doesn't just say, you are fortunate, Jacob, you happened on my house. What he says is, I'm everywhere you go. There's no place that you go that I'm not. So I'm not worried this week as we enter into it about whether God will be with us. I have no concerns about that you You may get on a plane as we did and travel to another continent. I have no question that God will be with us, but I wonder this morning whether we will be with him. How do we practice the presence of God? We must first perceive his promise Here it is he sort of outlines it when when J- Jacob sees this vision and just to sort of rehearse his history, there's nothing about Jacob that would make um, God want to find him. It's not as though Jacob is just such an amazing person and has finally started doing the right things and finally straightened out. It was while we were yet sinners that 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 God commended His love for us and that Christ died for us. It was when we were at our worst that God was at His best. And Jacob's story in the Old Testament is just... a an early picture of God's grace. It's a a sign that God is the God who sees us and cares about us really in spite of us. When when we're at, at our worst, Jacob has done everything he can to shake his fist in the face of God. Jacob doesn't find God. But God finds Jacob. And when Jacob finally opens his eyes, he sees that God is there. And I wonder when that happened for you. When you found the God who had found you. It's really a story of God's amazing grace. I think of this when I think about Peter in the New Testament. In that moment when even though he promised he wouldn't three times he denies Jesus. And the third time he sort of turns his head around and realizes Jesus has been watching the whole time. Skevington Woods says we never talk behind God's back. Because wherever we are. He is there. I don't know if this is good news or bad news for us this morning. But when you said what you said, when you did what you did, he was there. It's not as though we can ever escape him. In Psalm 139, the psalmist says, Where can I go from your presence? You are presence. His very name, I am, signifies presence. Even on the mercy seat, of the the Ark of the Covenant, that absent space there is a reminder that God fills absence with His presence. God is there. And we are always, like those people in northern Turkey 12,000 years ago, looking for a place that we can call holy. So the Hindus go to the Ganges River and the Islamic people go to Mecca on their pilgrimage and Christians go to Jerusalem, and Eugene Peterson goes to Montana. And having been to Flathead Lake near Glacier Park, I know what he's talking about. But the point is, no matter where we are, he is there. So William Fry tells about a young man named John who lost his eyesight through a chemical explosion and for six months lived in a sort of self appointed pity party until his father walked into his room and said winter is coming they lived in Colorado the storm windows need to go up and that's your job and by the time I get home tonight I want those windows up or else and the boy John who was telling the story to William Fry who was reading to him said I thought okay I'll go out there. I'll get on a ladder. I'll have an accident and they'll have a son who's paralyzed and blind. Fine, I'll do what my father tells me to do. But he went out there and he found the windows in the shed and he put them up one by one. And when he finished the task, discovered only then that his father had never been more than four or five feet away from him. So where is your Bethel? Where did you discover that God was there? Elizabeth Barrett Browning says, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush is ablaze with His glory. But only those who take off their shoes see. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries and daub their natural faces unaware. Where have you been this week unaware that God was absolutely there? The first night we got into Rio, we were um, to go down into a favela, a slum area. Chase was preaching at a little preaching point in that slum area, about 8 feet by 25 feet, 10 people there. A little awkward when we walked in. We don't know them. They don't know us. Finally, somebody blurted out, do you know Pastor David? I said, Pastor David who? (laughs) Who? Pastor David Edwards he used to come here. He preached right here. David Edwards walked up into the favela with us and he hugged the people and he cried every time one of them became a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, I I, I knew David Edwards. He was my friend. I told you about him. Pastor of First Baptist Church of Corsicana who just a couple of years ago was driving down a highway between Corsicana and Georgetown and had a car accident and was killed. I I knew David Edwards, but from the moment they told me he had been there, I had this, this amazing sense that God had always known we were going to be in that spot and what a privilege it would be to love the people. They said, this sister came to know Jesus when Pastor David Edwards was here. He led her daughter to Christ as well. And when Chase began to preach and we started to listen, I realized God had always known we would be right there. I wonder if we have heard His promise. I will be with you. Not just to Jacob does he speak these words. He confirms them in the life of Jacob's son, Joseph, who takes the people down into Egypt. And then Moses, who's trying to take the people out of Egypt so many years later, God says to him, don't worry, I'll be with you. And Joshua says, I'm not up to the task. I can't fill the shoes, the amazingly large shoes of Moses. God says, don't worry. I will be with you, God is with us he couldn't be more with us than he is the question is in view of the the promises that he has made will we practice his presence Jacob has to find something to honor God he picks up the first rock that he can find Solomon would later build a magnificent temple and say honestly as if we could build a house big enough for you God Because the heaven of heavens can't contain you, much less this house built of stone. Jacob doesn't understand everything. His relationship with God is still conditional. Anybody else there? You're still in an if-then. If God does this for me, then I'll do this for him. God doesn't fully correct Jacob. The thing about Jacob is he doesn't arrive here. This isn't his arrival, but at least it's his beginning. And every good journey starts with a beginning. A moment of awareness, of consciousness where he says, okay. And he starts talking out, do you see it? He starts talking about God in the third person. And if God will do this, and if God will do that, and if God will do that. And then at the end he says, and everything you give me, I will give to you a tenth. And it changes. Everything changes. I'll tell you how you know whether you're really practicing the presence of God Are you changing? Is God transforming you? Is there something different about you? And notice it's not just Jacob who changes, but the place changes. Used to be Luz, now it's Bethel, it's the house of God. The place changes. And Jacob who has always, for his whole life, his name means grasper, he's always been a taker. And now he wants to give, like Zacchaeus, when Jesus comes to his house, who says, I'm going to pay back everybody that I stole from. What makes a person change? It's that moment when we begin to realize God is with us, and if we're going to ever accomplish anything in this world, we will have to be with him. We'll have to be with him. In some ways, this week functioned for me as a a sort of recall (laughs) Just um, a reminder of why I love to do what I do. It was actually, I think, Monday of last week that we made our way over to the seminary. I had once been the pastor of one of the former presidents back in the 60s, a man named Dr. A. Ben Oliver. They described him as intellect on fire. He had once been their president at that seminary. He used to secretly whisper to me when he found out I was going to Recife, Brazil, he would say, you haven't been to Brazil unless you've been to Rio. I don't want to offend the Millers, but just go further south. After I'd been to Recife about three times, I'd sort of been there and done that. I'd never been to Rio until this week. And we went up that hill and we walked into the library and there was a picture of young Ben Oliver. He was dapper, looking good, brilliant man. He gave me his Greek New Testament when he died. When I preached his funeral, I said, Lord, I want a double portion of his spirit. Eddie helped us. Resourceful Eddie is to find a key to get into the chapel where he preached. And I stood behind that pulpit and I sat in that chair where he sat. And I remember the time sitting with him translating the Greek New Testament and the way he invested in my life. And for me, it was a reminder that God is with us. Jesus would say to the church at Ephesus, return to your first love. I wonder if we've done that. If I asked you this morning, do you love God? I suspect everybody in the room would say yes. But if I asked you, do you love Him first? More than anything else. More than anyone else. How would we answer that question? God calls us back. When we least expect it, He shows up large in vivid color. He shows up making promises by grace to us, not because we've finally gotten it right, but because He must be with us and we must be with Him. Eugene Peterson, in his book, The Pastor, tells about a five year old girl who helped him understand this when she said to her grandmother, No God talk on this trip. I believe God is everywhere we go. So let's get on with life. Let's get on with life. Living in the presence of God. Paul would say to the church at Athens, the the people in Athens as he preached on Mars Hill that became the church there, he would say to them, in Him we live and move and have our being. No more idols. We don't need idols because... He is always with us. And the day we begin to live with Him, that is a remarkable day. What would it take for us to keep the promises that we've made to God? Jacob will go and come back in chapter 35 to this same spot. He'll renew the altar there. And there are moments in our lives when we must come back to the place where we first loved god the second night we were there we went up into the favela praying for people who were sick entering into tiny little apartments i guess you would call them houses they're built side by side by side all up this mountain and and everywhere we went there were young men standing on a corner a couple of them said would you pray for us and we said yes and our interpreter said but first you guys have to put your guns away and they pulled out their guns and put them away. And we walked into the alley and prayed with them. I didn't call Melanie at this point and say, guess what we're doing. <laughs> I found out they were drug dealers. In fact, we prayed for seven or eight drug dealers that first day. They knew their lifespan, their life expectancy is short. All of them in their teens fascinated by a teenager who was there to preach to them. It was interesting just to see that dynamic. Chase had credibility. I'll never have with those guys. But, but Eddie was telling us about how those guys want to get out of it, but they don't know where else to go. They don't know what else to do. And if they try to get out of it, the drug lord in that favela will will kill them. A couple of young men one day became followers of Jesus Christ, and they wanted to get out but didn't know how Uh, one went with them and explained that they wanted to become Christians. And the the drug lord said, okay, you can get out of drug dealing, and I'm not going to kill you because you're Christians, right? And the young men shook their heads, yes, and he said, but if you ever stop being a Christian, I'll kill you. Now there was incentive, <laughs> motivation to stay with it. Aren't you glad God doesn't deal with us that way? If you ever stop walking with me, that's it. No, no. No, God will be with Jacob even when Jacob is not at his best. But the good news for people like us is not our promises to God The promises we've made and promised we will never break. The promises we've broken to God. The real story of the scripture is God's promise to us. It's Isaiah 7.14 where the the prophet says a child will be born and his name will be Emmanuel. God with us, Matthew 1, 23, Jesus is born and he is God with us. And Nathaniel talks with him in John chapter 1, verses 45 to 51 and says, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And Jesus says, I saw you when you were under the tree. And Nathaniel says, who are you? I don't understand who you are, but you must be somebody special. And Jesus says, are you amazed at this? You're going to see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of God. And in that moment, Nathaniel realizes the real doorway, the real gateway to heaven is not a place, but a person. The Lord Jesus Christ who came to us. And what does he say to his disciples in the Great Commission? He says, I'm going to give you all authority so that you can go and make disciples of all nations. And by the way, I am with you always. If we're doing what God wants us to do in the power that he's given us to do it, one thing we are aware of is that He is with us. Yeah, I'm not worried about whether God will be with us this week. A missionary to Paraguay tells about a young man who came and stood on his porch one afternoon. He walked out and said, what do you want? And the young man said, Ham Henek Met. I am here. <laughs> he understood the words, but he didn't understand what the young man went. He asked an older missionary, what does he mean? He said, what he means is, he is happy just to be with you. He doesn't want anything. He just wants to be with you. And I wonder if that is our heart today. I remember a song back in the late 90's. Uh, Christian song. I just want to be where you are. In your dwelling place forever. I don't want to worship from afar. Draw me near to where you are. I want to be where you are. Daily in your presence. Feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory, in your presence, is where I always want to be. I just want to be with you. God will be with you this week. We don't even need to pray God be with us. He he is. Will we be with him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing love and grace for your powerful presence among your people as we worship you today. Help us, I pray, consciously to be with you today so that we may love you and walk with you. Lord, when we talk, help us to know you are there. When we walk, help us to know that you are with us. When we decide about what we're going to do about the God who is with us, remind us that you are witness to our decision. Right now, in Jesus' name, amen.